Hey, I'm Shane. I'm Amy. Welcome to another edition of Deep Dive. This week, we're going to do something a little different. First, we're going to deal with that, you know, that really small question, the age old question. Why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, super simple. We'll you know, figure it all out today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, here in, I don't know, 20 minutes or less, you, you know, you'll you'll understand it all. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to talk to our music director here, uh, Stephen Nix, and he's going to tell us all about uh, some of the unique music he chooses uh, week to week, talking about uh, a couple songs in particular we have sung recently. And so stay with us here on Deep Dive. So we are jumping right into Job 19. Oh, that my words were written down, inscribed on a scroll with an iron instrument and lead, forever engraved on stone. But I know that my Redeemer is alive, and afterward he'll rise upon the dust. After my skin has been torn apart this way, then from my flesh I'll see God, whom I'll see myself, my eyes see, and not a stranger's. I am utterly dejected. So you mentioned to me that in all the years you've been preaching, this was the first time you've preached on Job. Yeah. So I'm wondering what that was like for you. Uh, and it was a trip because uh, it's such a, it's a story everyone is familiar with, but not super familiar with, if that makes sense. You know, it's, uh, it's not a small book, and yet most people just kind of know the overarching narrative, but it's, it's 42 chapters. And so, I mean, some of them are short, but it's, uh, we talk about the narrative so much, but it's primarily a book of poetry Mm -hmm. and, uh, poetry or prose and argumentation. Um, and I think probably the reason I've never preached on it is frankly, is because it's not really in the lectionary beyond the passage we read. Mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I could be wrong, but even then in the lectionary, it's not even the primary, it's the complementary part of the lecture. So um, it just happened to fit within the sermon series. I'm happy I did it. Uh, a lot of great reading, and I, I look forward to talking about it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's not one of those people jump on because it, it's asking some tough stuff. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, one of the things I kept running into um, with this is that um, I think Job is asking such a big overarching question um, it's like so foundational to the human experience mm-hmm. um, that basically it, it transcends all cultural barriers. And so one of the things I kept running into was there are some unique facets to the Job story, but in that ancient literature, it's not like it's the only story dealing with that. You know, we're, we're, I, I kept running across here that, you know, there was a, there's a Sumerian version of it. There's a Mesopotamian version of it. There's an Egyptian version of them and they're all a little, little bit different. Um, but I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting uh, to see that. And it makes sense because I, I mean, we're still dealing with those sort of questions. I mean, I, I, my mind goes a little bit to sort of, uh, I don't know, I don't know, Dostoevsky and that in, in Goethe's Faust and sort of that like, early enlightenment type of literature that's dealing with some of these issues of what's it mean to be human? What's it mean to suffer? What's the role of justice and all those. Uh, and so it's a really universal question of why did these things happen and when are things going to be made right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think interestingly, just the fact that there's kind of a big catalog um, dealing with the same question and that Job is included in the canon um, gives you, I think perhaps permission to feel like you can wrestle with these questions yourself and and be able to see that 
um, in many ways, these kind of struggling with these questions as part of the life of faith. I think there was something I, I, I hinted at in the sermon, and you can go there in the notes uh, for this the podcast and the video feed and link to the sermon. Um, I mentioned a little bit about a lot of the scholars saw this story as being um, creation part two. Yes, yes, yes. That was really interesting. Yeah, that was I, and I was I was really fascinated by that. Of um, yeah, there there's a natural connection to the creation story because of sim- similarities. You know, it's the Garden of Eden. It, it just says he's from Uz or Ooze. I don't right. know how to pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah. know, and uh, but there's it, it's almost like this garden. It's this idyllic world. Everything is everything is. Perfect for him, you know, and sort of the the, the falling apart of those sort of things. I th- the the key difference is obviously why, mm-hmm. you know, in the original creation story, it's because Adam and Eve, you know, eat from this forbidden fruit. They're not supposed to eat from the and uh, but here he's done nothing wrong. He's just the victim of a wager, mm-hmm. uh, a wager between God and the adversary. Um, I don't know. There, there's just there's <laughs> frankly in the Book of Job, there's too much stuff. Like who's the adversary? Sure. You know, because it's it's this word Hasatan, and you know a lot of translations would do it Satan. Mm-hmm. But when you read it, it's not really this this person's playing this role. Like very much there's a there's an analogous uh, job in in Persia where this person plays the role of essentially like a courtroom accuser, or sure. oftentimes even like a double agent to try to see someone's heart of hearts. You know, and so in many ways in the throne room of God. This person is playing that same role. Is just a sort of, you know, this character thinks they're exposing Job's true motives by putting him through this. Um, he can't really be as good as God thinks he is, um, which is interesting. It's just there's so much going on. There's all these friends and there's different things. There's this whole section with Elihu strapped at the end. And then there's this little, like, everything is wonderful. Amy and I were talking about this yeah. yesterday. There's this thing slapped on the end where everything is wonderful. And it's back better than before, as though everything's all right, you know, because this is like an ancient Near East version of Once Upon a Time, mm-hmm. and he lived happily ever after. Right. But somehow it's like we're supposed to ignore that, like, all his kids are dead, mm-hmm. him and his wife and friends are not getting along. You know, it, it's 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 kind of a mess. Um, and the thing I, I think I was struck by is... Um, Maybe maybe the book of Job is literally just saying the question of why bad things happen to good people is unanswerable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so what we're left with is what do we think is going to happen in the end? You know, do we think God values judge, judgment or not? And, I, and what I mean by judgment is making things right, right. judgment, righteousness. Um, and it's a complicated uh, way of thinking things because I, I, I tend to think of it as this way. This is this is just Shane. This isn't scholarly. This is just <laughs> the way I make sense of it and live with it. Is that I tend to look at God's intention, God's goal for all of our life is that shalom, wholeness, yes. a, f- a fulfillment across, a, a fulfillment of all bound, you know, all aspects of our life. I, I think that is God's intent. That's what God is going to get us to. At some point, even if it's after we're dead, okay? But I, I, I think we also exist within whether you want to call it, you know, a, just a sinful world that's going to be broken and you're going to have those realities since death entered the world. But So I think you can say, is God's intent for us to have those things? But the reality is we're not going to, there's going to be disease, there's going to be loss, there's going to be accidents. Um, and so I, I, in my mind, I, I tend to think of God comes alongside us 
in those moments and works with us to try to find the bur- the best possible outcome of that. You know, it, it, it's a, I heard it before and, I, and I've lived some of this. this is a little bit of confession. I've had some pretty major surgeries in my life and I've had to deal with, um, you know, I've come out of them very well, but I've had to deal with the reality of like, I'm not, um, unbreakable, <laughs> you know, and that, and that did a number of my psychology. Sure. And so I, I, I did some reading and just people talking about people going through cancer, people going through massive treatment for things and saying that like, you're never going to be the same person you were. And so you need to be investing in who you're going to become. And so, you know, for me, I've had a major portion of my lung removed because of a, just a weird freak thing that happened in my life. I'm never going to have that back. I'm never going to be that person that doesn't have literally that scar and emotional baggage from that. But now I, God is with me, helping me to become the best of what I can. Um, and that's the way I make sense of it. That doesn't mean it's great. I mean, it, I think we'd love to have someone come alongside of us and say, everything's going to oh, be absolutely. okay. You know, <laughs> um, I, I, you know, this is hard. There's no perfect answer on this. I, I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. Well, no, it just actually reminds me of a conversation that I had with someone mm-hmm. on Sunday. Um, and she was talking about a family member who was very, very ill, was not going to get better. And um, her feeling was that once they stopped asking the why question, actually, like just, we're not going to ask that question anymore. Mm. Um, Kind of a a peace and a love Mm. came into both of their lives from just saying, we are not going to, we're not going to even ask this Mm. anymore. So, and I don't think it was in an, an ignoring kind of way. It was mm-hmm. just like, if if we continue to do that, then that's the only that's the only thing we're gonna focus on. Like the struggle is the only thing that we're gonna have together. Yeah. Um, and so when they removed that intentionally, other things started to fill um, the space. Yeah, it's interesting. It makes me think of the phrase that we all use, where we'll say something like, "It is what it is." Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had some friends who, you know, work in the field of psychology, and a lot of them hate that phrase. Mm. And part of the reason they hate that is because they think that's an abdication, abdication Mm. of one's role. And so they're not saying – I think when they hear someone say that it is what it is, in their mind they're imagining someone that's essentially given up on participation in that. But I don't think most people necessarily mean it that way. So to me, when I say it is what it is – I still recognize that like maybe I can't change some of the big elements of a situation, but I still have roles to play in how I emotionally react to it, how mm-hmm. what I'm trying to build out of that. You know, to me, I think that that ties in with that. Some of the things you just said, too, because I I think it's fair to look at Job and over the whole arc of the story, how he's evolving in these different ways to where he's in some ways doesn't love the suffering, but he's he's able to deal with it. At the beginning evolves into the just enormous frustration. By the time we get around to the part you read, mm-hmm. he's just blaming God and he's really not even asking the why. He's asking when's it going to end. Right, right, right. And he's willing to he's willing to concede the part that he just it's he's okay if he dies. And but he he is utterly convinced, even through the end, that he will receive justice. He it will be made right, even if he's gone. Mm-hmm. And I, I that's that's an interesting thing. It, it's it's almost like we need to say to ourselves in, in in our prayer life when we get hit with those bad things. Okay, it is what it is. But now I have the choice of how to step forward. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's important to note in this, like you can be angry with God. Absolutely. And you can have sustained anger for God. 
but you can also, we can be two things at once. I mean, like that's the, that's one of the, I've heard it said before, you know, that's one of the measures of a first rate mind is that you can hold two seemingly contradictory things in your mind at the same time. And one of those can be extremely angry, frustrated with God. But the other one is still committed that God is ultimately a just God. And in the end, we're going to get there. So that's, that's, I think that's where I land on this. Mm-hmm. And one more thing. So. Is it about the Redeemer? <laughs> yeah, one, one thing about the Redeemer? Yeah, I mean, just because. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, in, the, in the verses mm-hmm. for today, um, it talks about my Redeemer lives. Mm. And often, you know, that is translated in the Christian context. I mean, we, we sing that on Easter, right? Yeah, so I'm wondering uh, about the it's context. It's capitalized in the yes. NRSV version, which yes. is really, it should not, because yeah. it is, it's this weird, like, legal term. And mm-hmm. I talked about that in the sermon. It's this funny legal term where um, it's somebody who essentially has to, like, avenge the fallen family member or get back the property or buy people from slavery. Uh, if, you know, if you had a brother died, it's your job to redeem them. Mm-hmm. Um but it is interesting in that context that, like, if you read it within the Job context, he's not talking about God. It's, mm-hmm. like, radical. It's, 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 we don't even know what he's talking about. It could be another human that mm-hmm. just stays behind after him. The reality is to even have a redeemer, you have to be dead. Right. You know, so he's talking about <laughs> someone who's dead. Yeah. So, um, you know, it could be, you know, they talk about these heavenly beings at the beginning of Job. Maybe it's another heavenly being. Maybe it's something analogous to the Hasatan instead of this accuser. Maybe it's an right. advocate or something. I think it's fair to read it both ways. I mean, within the, I think it's fair to interpret it within that Job context, but also as a Christian, still find encouragement and, and see Jesus in that, even though we know Job is not imagining that. So we're back, and we are here with Stephen Nix, our music director here. And this last Sunday, we did a gospel Sunday at church. And uh, you talked about this song we sang called Living in the Overflow. And I would mm-hmm. be wondering, I was wondering if you would be willing to share your experience with that song and, and what you, you said some things in worship about that song I was interested in. Well, basically, I think when we start looking at spirituals and we look at, at different genres of music, this specifically speaks to language base that we normally don't comprehend or understand. But when you're living in the overflow, it's the essence of gratitude and it's the essence of realizing that um, God has given us so many great things. And we just, for instance, heat, you know, food, all of these things of gratitude. And I think this song points us to that, even in the case of Job, mm-hmm. um, having to see the good and in in the midst of all the bad. Mm-hmm. You also chose this other song called "Ride on King Jesus." Yep. Could you tell me a little bit about that song? Well, basically, in the canon of a lot of uh, spirituals, uh, a lot of them come to hymnals different ways. But in this spiritual, particular, it was a Civil War spiritual, which we don't really know who the author was or who Mm -hmm. who composed it, but it was sung by slaves. And I think why I gravitate toward a lot of this music is because the creation of this music was a necessity. Uh, It was a necessity to survive. It was a necessity of, it was their way of praying as a group. It was their way of proclaiming hope. 
it was their way of, you know, just showing gratitude regardless of what was happening to them being enslaved and tortured probably in very bad conditions, but they still sought to find faith and to find goodness despite the places they were. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it makes me think of the Beatitudes of, you know, it's often translated blessed are the poor. I guess Luke would translate it that way. Matthew, you know, Matthew, blessed are the poor in spirit. And they would be, um, I've always interpreted that as blessed are you when you're at the end of the rope, into your rope. And so in this environment where, where people have next to nothing, right. if not nothing, um, we would never, you never want someone to be in that position, but there can be a blessing in that in the sense it's this crucible that boils things down to their rawest, you know, base form. And, and it, it puts a, it puts a power and meaning behind the words that are created in that, that just have a, a, a degree of vibrancy and authenticity that, you know, just can't be formed in other ways. Yeah. Well, it's like the lyric, right on King Jesus, no man can hinder me. Mm. Basically, it's the faith of knowing that I can overcome this obstacle no matter what. You know, no one is going to stop me from this. And that's something that I think is highly lacking, even in our society, is the ability to find hope and to find the promise of a new day and the promise of goodness. Can you tell us a little bit about your sort of like philosophy of why you choose the music you choose or what you think of how music functions in worship? Well, music for me functions as not a place to fill time and space. That's for something you can do technically. But in worship, it is meant to bring about change, whether that change be thinking, whether that be praise, whether that be uh, it's, but it's meant to change the heart. It's proven that music is uh, is that thing besides prayer and meditation that can lead us to a spiritual path. Mm-hmm. I, that's scientific proof without mm-hmm. me even going anywhere and trying to uh, talk any further about this. But, uh, but in choosing music, I choose music that focuses specifically sometimes... In, in our services, there's a need for prayer. There's a need for introspection. Sometimes there's a need for just pure joy. But in all of those, I, I like to find songs with content that engages and can encourage lives. And it's one of those things where every week is different. So each week we kind of close out the show with some recommendations. So Shane, I'm wondering, what is your recommendation today? Uh, it is right here as I pull it up. There it is. I created a list where I'm keeping my recommendations. Oh my I goodness. Am, I am on this. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, uh, I ran across this thing called, it, it's, it's literally just called The Size of Space. And, and all it is is a website that it essentially begins with something as small as a single astronaut and shows you a series of scales of how like how much things are yes, bigger yes, yes. and it's like it is overwhelming 
you know, because of just how big things get. Because, you you know, we just think of, you know, the Earth, the moon, even our sun. But, man, those are tiny by comparison. You get to the at one point in this thing where it's like this super massive black hole that's, you know, 100,000 times bigger than things. And it's pretty amazing. We'll put a link. It's just called Size of Space. It's a simple website a guy did as a, as a project. It'll be down in the show notes. You can go visit. Go, uh, you know, spend about five, ten minutes just losing yourself in space. That's, that's unbelievable because um, – Talking about Job also uh-huh. on Sunday, that was actually one of the things that I talked about with a group of people, mm. even like thinking about, you know, how, how small mm. you are, but how connected yeah. we all are together. So I can't believe that's your recommendation well, today. Go. Yeah. Fortuitous. Yeah. <laughs> so on Sunday, you gave away a gratitude journal. Mm-hmm. Um, so my recommendation today goes a little bit along with that because in my house, we have a gratitude jar that my daughter and I decorate together once a year. So it Mm. kind of gets a little bit of a renewal. Um, And basically we just keep some papers beside there. And anytime Mm. you think of something that you're grateful for, you write it down, throw it in the jar. And then at the end of the year, we read those together. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. That's better than the swear jar that is all the houses. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that one's on the other side of the house. Well, Stephen, how about we put you on the spot? This is okay. new. This is this isn't new to us, but it's new to you. What, what What do you think you would recommend to us this week? Well, I'm going to recommend uh, in regard to music. I, I prefer this when I do songwriters conferences or anything. Rainer Rilke's Book of Hours. It's a book of poems about God. It is probably one of the most modern day psalm oriented uh, collections that I have seen. And I suggest that you get it, go to your library, purchase this book, keep it beside your bed and just read. It's wonderful chapters about God and illuminates God in a way that I think is even more of a 21st century reality for us. Mm. And also just read his book, uh, Letters to a Young Poet, keep it beside your bed. If you are a creative person, or pursuing some creative avenue, it's a really great place to keep you uh, understanding what it's all about. Okay. Um, I am going to do one more. <laughs> and I'm going to do something that I, I've just, I have literally listened to 20 times the last couple of days. Uh, Audrey Assad just did a cover. Have you heard this? She did a cover of the Mumford & Sung song, Sigh No More. Mm-hmm. And it is breathtaking and beautiful. So I would recommend it to you. Her voice is unreal, and then that's just she does some interesting things with the song. So it's just just beautiful. So I'd recommend that to you. Well, as always, there'll be a link in the show notes where you can go watch the sermon and links to the Bible text and all these recommendations. Uh, we'll see you next week on Deep Dive. See you.